Do you guys remember the really old board game, Guess Who? Right, like the old traditional, like old classic, like, you know, you have everyone in front of you and you're trying to figure out who we're talking about. Uh, I like board games. You may or may not like board games. We're going to play a board game together. Uh, so we have Guess Who, and we're going to play right now. We're going to stick it up here. But there's this recent trend that's been going around where when you play Guess Who, you're actually not allowed to use any physical characteristics, all right? So you can't do the glasses or braces or anything. So you guys are going to try and figure out who I'm talking about. I'm going to give you four clues. They're all the same person. Here's the first one. All right, which one of these people recently started a photography business on the side? All right? I mean, Simone, Stephen, Edna, Mo, Kelly, Pete. All right, who started a photography business? Here's your next clue. And they play pickleball three times a week because they're working on their health. All right? Uh, here's your third clue. They also love their three kids very much. Not sure yet? Oh, okay. Here, here's your last clue. Uh, they got promoted at work last week, and they're learning a new role. All right, do you guys know who it is? No, you don't. All right, no, no, you guys don't know who it is because this is a very unfair game. Man, we can't look at, we, we might make a guess, right? But we don't, like, know who it is. Man, we can't for sure know which identity we're talking about right now. And I know, that's cheating, right? But my job's not to play board games with you guys. There's a point, right? We're talking about identity today. And our identity is something that's really important. It's emotionally complicated, but like guess who proves, sometimes we can't always tell at a surface level. What's the point? Okay? And our identity matters. We might even define identity differently. We look for it in different places. We might not even agree about it. So one of the fastest ways to figure out how a person chooses to publicly identify themselves to everybody and just check their bio on social media. And if you do that, you might find a lot of different stuff, but there's some common things. You might see their family represented or you know, if there's a significant other in the picture, you might see some initials in there. They might talk about their job, engineer, chef, boss babe in a multi-level marketing situation. They might bring up their pets, right? One of my friends do this. They have, like, dog parent of Lord Byron the Third. It's kind of ridiculous, but, I mean, you might have some pet stuff in there. You might see maybe their side gigs, photography, or something they sell on Etsy. I mean, how someone wants to publicly present themselves, man, that's what you'll often see in a bio on social media. Why does this matter? Well, how we view ourselves, our view of identity changes so much of how we live. It changes our priorities. It changes where we look for value and acceptance and worth. And so for today, when we're saying identity, let's get on the same page, right? If we're saying this matters so much, our identity, man, that's our answer to the question, who am I? A lot of us are asking that question or someone will ask us, man, who are you? Or tell me about yourself. Man, but at the core of who we are, how we answer the question, who am I, man, that's our identity. We get asked this a lot, or we ask it of ourselves, and I think it's a good question, but I think sometimes we miss a little bit on the answers. One of the ways that we try to answer this question, who am I, right, what, what our identity is, we try to look for it through achievements. We might not say it, but we'll think, well, yeah, if I can accomplish this, if I achieve this, right, that's who I am. I mean, like the public sphere, you might see it, uh, an actress wins an Oscar, and they do a great job movie, and they, they get an Oscar. From then on out, they're identified as this Oscar-winning actress. The next movie may or may not be good. That's not the point. Like, they're identified based on what they've accomplished. Do you guys have any Oscars? I, I don't. But I think sometimes we do the same thing. We try and find our identity, or people will choose to identify us based on our achievements, what we can do, what we accomplish. You do a good job at work, you get promoted, you move up the ranks, right? 
And sometimes we start to think, that's who I am, and this is what I can do. And when everything's going well for you, that works. Like, we feel good about ourselves when we're accomplishing stuff. But life's not always up and to the right. Sometimes that doesn't work. Then what happens to our self-worth and our identity and value and how we see ourselves when all of a sudden, instead of everything getting better, I mean, it doesn't. When we can't achieve enough to meet whatever criteria we have put on ourselves, something breaks. And I've been there, and I've been frustrated and confused and angry because I found my worth and what I could do. And then when I couldn't do enough, sometimes it's not even because you messed up. Maybe you did so well, you were tired, right? I was talking with somebody earlier, and they were saying that, yeah, I mean, all my life, this is what I did. I accomplished, I worked, and then I retired, and then I didn't do that anymore. And now who am I? Or we try to do it like, man, we achieved this perfect family, and then you raise these kids, and then they leave, and they go, and then who are you? Right? Achievement works some of the time, but that's not the best way to answer this question. Because there's always more to do, and even you can accomplish so much, and then your life changes. Achievement is not a stable answer to our identity. Sometimes we don't try to achieve it, right? Sometimes we try to discover it. I think this has been maybe a more recent movement, this idea that we can discover inside ourselves this thing that was always there, and that's who we are, right? I just got to find myself. You heard that before? I hear it a lot. Self-discovery, self-knowledge, that's a good thing, yeah. But I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it works all the way. Right? It's good. There's a lot of good things that we use to answer this, right? Maybe you learned recently that you like CrossFit. Congratulations, you are in better shape than most of us, all right? But we, we can find this idea and like, yeah, I do CrossFit. That's where I belong. Like, I've got this group of people. And that's awesome. That's a good thing. Sometimes we use good things to try and answer the question, who am I? Because we like them, whether that's not accomplishing, but we enjoy it. We're passionate. We care about it. It's something that comes from inside of us. Maybe it's not CrossFit, right? Maybe you love animals. And so that's what you're quick. Like, who am I? Man, I love animals. Maybe it's watching like the likes roll in when you post pictures of your family. It's like, yeah, I'm a family person. And, and there's a lot of different ways we can do this. But most of those things that I just mentioned, what they have in common is our self-discovery, right? And that's based on us. And it's based on how we feel. Maybe you're not a feelings guy. You're like, man, I'm a, I'm a hunter. I'm a fisherman. That's what I like to do. Leave me alone. Okay. S- same thing. It's still about what we like, what we do. And that breaks down too. All right? See, learning and growth, that's good. Self-discovery, that can be a good thing. But over time, when we always answer the question, who am I, with self-discovery, we can accidentally become self-absorbed, right? Self-discovery, good. Self-absorbed, bad. Have you ever been around somebody who's self-absorbed and they think they're like the center of the universe? Man, that's not fun. Some of y'all have been married to those people, all right? Like, that's awful. We, like, we don't want that. And yet sometimes our self-discovery isn't always self-absorbed. Sometimes it's just incorrect, right? Another danger of self-discovery and trying to find our identity within ourselves is it can lead us to make some decisions about our identity that might feel right, but still not be true. And like, I've got friends, actual friends, that wrestle with how their sexuality does or doesn't impact their identity. They might take their sexuality and then make that the main focus of who they are. They do all of this based on how they feel or this journey of self-discovery. And that's not the right path either. But however we attempt to go about it, I think we are all looking for identity. And who am I? I think that instead of us trying to achieve or discover an identity, Jesus gives us a better way. 
Like, I, I really believe that what Jesus does is he gives us this new identity. See, he doesn't come just to congratulate us on how awesome we are, but he came and he lived a perfect life and died to save us and change us and even give us a new identity. And so as we're talking about freedom in Christ and we're looking at the series in Galatians, man, what Paul writes to Jesus' followers in Galatia, part of it is actually about the new identity that Jesus gives us. We see this in Galatians chapter 3. This is what it says. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And there's a lot, and we'll walk through that together. But the thought here is that when we follow Jesus, we get freedom from sin and death and people-pleasing and having to measure up. But we even get freedom from having to answer the question, who am I on our own? See, Jesus loves us so much, he helps us answer that question. Because that changes so much. Now, there's a caveat with all of this. What I'm about to say, because of what Paul wrote, this is to followers of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here, I am genuinely thrilled And choosing to follow Jesus, I think, is the best choice you could ever make. If you're not there yet, okay, I'm glad you're here. What I'm saying can be true of you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, right, I'm not always the most emotional processor. Um, So one of the things that I've had to learn is that what is true doesn't change based on how I feel. So even if you don't feel what I'm about to say, then it's true whether or not our feelings catch up. All right, when we talk about identity, the core of who we are, man, right now I'm speaking to those who have chosen to follow Jesus, and it's true And if you make that choice, or it's true whether or not you feel like it. See, Jesus gives us a new identity. And so when we talk about freedom in Christ, we are freed to live with a new identity from Christ. See, he gives us this identity. We don't achieve it. We don't earn it. We don't discover it. He gives it to us. And we're described as being God's heirs. It's like Princess Diaries level stuff, all right? And I'm not a Princess Diaries guy, so I had to fact check this with a friend. But apparently this girl wakes up and then all of a sudden she's this princess something of a country called Genovia. I remembered that part. And uh, it's not as if she achieved it or earned it or even discovered it. She was told, hey, this is the case. Now your life is going to look differently. Man, it's that kind of a thing. Like we don't achieve it. We don't earn it. We don't discover it. We are told this and now we live differently. Because when we follow Jesus, the core of who we are shifts, right? Like, That answer to who am I, whether we feel like it or not, it actually changes. Here's why this makes such a huge difference. Here's why this is better than trying to achieve or discover an identity. When the core of who we are is tied to what we can achieve, sometimes it works. But there will be moments, if they haven't happened, they will, where we cannot achieve enough to meet a standard that we or others place on us. And our self-worth and our value, and our significance, and our purpose can be so tied up in achievement or the pursuit of achievement that one day it will let us down. Or even if we achieve so much, man, our life situation will change, and what we thought was achievement changes. And if we have put the core of who we are in something that fluctuates based on our efforts or our situations, there's a time where we don't have that. It's the same way with self-discovery. Right? We try to discover or even sometimes decide this identity. That doesn't work either. It does some of the time, sure. But then that breaks down too. Because when our identity, the core of who we are, is tied to our emotions, well, what about when our emotions fluctuate? 
Right? We don't always feel the same way at the same time. You guys don't believe me? Just try and agree with people on where you want to go eat. Right? What you feel like doing, what you don't feel like doing is going to change a little bit. And if our identity is tied to our feelings, which fluctuate, then in an unstable world, we don't get to have a stable identity. And we need that and we want that. I believe what Jesus gives us as an identity is better because there's nothing he cannot accomplish and he is consistent. So the identity that he gives us doesn't fluctuate. And that is a better identity than we can achieve or discover. So instead of saying, who am I? And then us doing our best. And God loves us so much, he helps us with the answer. He even tells us at the core of who we are, man, who we are, here's how we answer this. Man, who am I? Jesus says in Galatians 3.26, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And we get to become God's children. And in Galatians 4.7, just the very next chapter, talks a little more about it. God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And for the follower of Jesus, the core of who we are has shifted. So when we ask that question, who am I? And who am I? I am a child of God, right? The core of who we are. We are adopted into God's family. I'm just going to point this out. Um, and before following Jesus, we're actually not children of God. You might, you might have heard that phrase, oh, we're all children of God. And sometimes the sentiment's true, but uh, that's actually not. See, all people, regardless of what they believe or think, are created in the image of God. That means they have inherent dignity, worth, and value. But it's only when someone chooses to follow God that their identity shifts. And at that point, right, that's when they become a child of God. Created by God? Everyone. Invited to God's family? everyone adopted by god and those who have chosen to follow jesus right at that point our identity shifts we go from invited to the family to adopted by the father we get brought in Uh, when my wife and i started dating i mean she was a single mom with a shy quiet little five-year-old kid and as i started to get to know mom and we got closer i mean i started to get closer to the kid as well so at first i was mr reed right it was very formal very polite very quietly said and then it became Reed, and then, you know, we started to get closer, and we talked about pterodactyls and jungle gyms, and then I told her my childhood nickname, which, I'm going to point this out, you can say correctly or not at all. My childhood nickname is Rito Speedo Bandito Frito Pie from Outer Space, all right? Correctly or not at all. Now, she did not do that correctly. She just picked a word that rhymed with some of it, and so she called me burrito, all right? And uh, you guys can't say that either. But for a long time, I was burrito, right? That's just who I was to her. And then when mom and I got closer, I mean, we made the decision to get married. And so when we're getting closer to that, we decided at that point and not before, she was able to call me dad. And she didn't want to confuse her or, you know, cause any more hurt or pain. And so it was just burrito. But then when there was a permanent commitment and an invitation to be family, then the identity shifted and she called me dad. I remember the first time she called me dad. It was when she was saying, bye, mom, dad and I are going to Target, which is when I learned we were going to Target. And then we went to Target, and she got whatever she wanted. All right? But her identity shifted. And this kid, who at one time was a shy, quiet five-year-old who didn't want to talk to me about anything other than dinosaurs, man, like, now that's Bella Chapman. Like, now she has my last name. I got to legally adopt her. And her identity shifted. 
Same thing for us, but so much better. And when we follow God, when we choose to follow Jesus, our identity shifts. We go from invited to the family to adopted by the Father. And God loves us, that he sees us exactly where we are, as messed up or broken or caught up in our own achievements or self-discovery, and he loves and he invites us to follow him. And when we do, we get brought into the family. And one of the verses we talked about talks about calling God Abba, Father. I mean, that means dad or daddy. We're like, we're not going to pray to sky daddy. Like, we're not going to do that. But we're invited to call God dad, right? He brings us into his family. Not family that you're friends with on Facebook, but, you know, don't really know. Not family that, like, you know, you see once a year and that's it. But like, like an intimate family all the way in. And that's how God invites us to call him. The creator of the universe who created mountains and valleys and oceans and stars says, I love you. You're my child now. You can call me dad. And when we believe this, whether or not we feel like it, it changes how we live. See, a lot of times people are looking for the acceptance or value or significance they may or may not have gotten from a biological father here, right? I don't know what your relationships with family are like. Maybe they're amazing. Maybe they're awful. Maybe they're somewhere in the middle. But a lot of times people are looking for acceptance and value and worth. When we believe that we're a child of God, instead of us trying to achieve or discover it, we're believing that God says we have dignity and worth and value, and he loves us and he cares about us so much that he died for us and then invited us to be a part of his family. And it changes how we view God. Not as this just distant creator, but as someone we get to call dad. We're trying to think about who we are, right? Knowing that we've shifted. We've gone from invited to the family to adopted by the father. That changes the core of who we are. And who am I? I'm a child of God. What else? Because that's part of it, but that's not all. When we keep reading, Galatians 3.28 says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, so those who have chosen to follow Jesus, have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what does this mean for us and like our identity? Who am I? I'm a child of God. Who am I? I am a follower of Jesus first. Right? That's what that section is saying. When people choose to follow Jesus, they're adopted into God's family, we get this new identity. Not only are we children of God, but now like race and economic status and gender get brought into it. Yeah, so well, let's talk about it. See, those are ways that we often choose to identify ourselves first or publicly. And is Paul saying that somebody's ethnicity or their economic status or their gender changes when they follow Jesus? No, that's not what he's saying. Is he saying that those things don't matter at all? No, that's not what he's saying either. What he is saying is, hey, all these things that we often choose to identify ourselves as, right, that is no longer what is most important. Something else gets put on top. We're a follower of Jesus. We are a follower of Jesus first, all right? I'm not saying that your ethnicity or your heritage or what you do for work or any of that stuff changes. If you're a Colts fan, you're still a Colts fan, right? If you're an artist, you're still an artist. If you're a content creator, you're a content creator. If you're a mom, you're a mom. Like, those things don't change, but they're not first, Paul explains this, and he talks about how we're not defined by these things, but by Jesus. And he says that we're described as having putting on Christ. Like we put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. What does that mean, right? What, is, what do clothes have to do with identity here? All right. I'm going somewhere with this. Humor me, all right? There's this recent trend that's been going around where a lot of girls will ask the men in their lives how frequently they think about the Roman Empire, all right? 
If you've been asked this question and you don't know where it's coming from, it's from TikTok. Sorry about that. And uh, I think about the Roman Empire a decent amount. We're all going to think about the Roman Empire right now. Here's why. In high school, I should have taken Spanish, all right? I know that. I should have taken Spanish, but I took Latin for three years, which means I learned a lot of useless information about the Roman Empire, including the clothes that they wore in the Roman Empire. Here's the point, okay? When we think about clothing in the Roman Empire, people sometimes think about togas, right? Those white sheet-like pieces of clothing that they would wear. That really wasn't common. What was common was something called a tunic, right? It's like a pillowcase with holes for your arms and legs. Everybody would wear that. Most people couldn't wear a tunic, all right? That was kind of tied to someone's identity. The thought that if you wore a tunic, you were a Roman citizen, you probably owned property, you were able to vote in some of their processes. It was a big deal. And if you wore a tunic and you weren't allowed to, I mean, you could even be killed for that. It was a really big deal to wear a tunic, a specific kind of tunic, too. Like, little kids could wear, like, this JV tunic, but there's a point in time when a, like, a young boy was considered a man and accepted into society as a Roman citizen, or if someone was adopted as an adult into a family, there would be a ceremony where they would then put on a toga over whatever tunic they were wearing. So there's this ceremony where they get a toga placed around them, and then whenever they're out, they're easily identified by that toga. I know you guys don't care about Roman clothing. You do care about Jesus. Here's the point here. When we are described as putting on Jesus, like putting on new clothes, it's like that ceremony where someone would have a toga placed on them. Now, how they are seen and identified first is by that toga. For us who are followers of Jesus, now we are seen and identified first, not by our race or our economic status or our gender. Like We are identified first as a follower of Jesus, right? Man, how we see ourselves and hopefully how other people see us, that's how we want to be identified first. And who am I? I'm a follower of Jesus first. I will place more value, more significance in what Jesus says of me than any of the other things that I can achieve or that I can discover. And my hope for you is that when you're thinking about that question, who am I, or someone asks, that it's not, well, here's what I can do, or here's what I like, but, and I'm a follower of Jesus, that that's first. Very practical, very small, but maybe like a really small step you could take as you're thinking about identity is on your bios on social media, Take follower of Jesus and put it on there and put it on there first, right? Who am I? I'm a follower of Jesus first. And then we keep going, and there's more. And in Galatians 3.29, Paul writes this. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And Abraham's up there because through the line of Abraham, God brought Jesus into the world, the blessing for everyone, Jews and Gentiles both. But we're described as being heirs and also as belonging to Christ. And what does this have to do with our identity? What's part of how we answer that question? And who am I? I belong to Jesus. At the core of who we are, followers of Jesus belong to Jesus. Like we get adopted into his family. We're considered his heirs. Not family God's ashamed of, but family that God says, no, I love you and you matter and you're brought all the way in. And at that point, we even belong to Jesus. And who we are is tied up in him. We always belong to something, all right? And it, if we're trying to answer that question, who am I by our achievements, then we belong to the pursuit of our achievements or how our achievements make us feel. If we're trying to answer that question, who am I through self-discovery and looking inside ourselves, and we belong to our feelings or we belong to our passions. Maybe you're thinking, like, no, dude, I do whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't belong to anything. Well, you do. You belong 
to your impulses. And, and achievements and self-discovery and impulses, and they will let us down. Maybe they haven't yet, but they will. My guess is if we're honest, all of those things have let us down. Jesus doesn't. He gives us something else instead. He gives us an identity, but part of it is belonging to him. And he's a loving, perfect God. He doesn't take advantage of us. He brings us into his family, but we belong to him. The core of who we are is that we have been adopted into God's family. So instead of having to chase achievements or self-discovery or decisions or impulses, man, instead Jesus says, hey, now that you belong to me, man, I want all of you. Man, I want you to get to know me. I want you to love me. And as we get to know Jesus better, out of love and out of a sense of belonging, we begin to obey more. Not out of obligation, not out of fear, but because the core of who we are belongs to Jesus. And our priorities change, right? Our views of free time, money, sex and sexuality, emotional connections, jobs, careers, family, friends. Like our view of all these things that matter to us. Man, now, if we belong to Jesus, we'll allow him to reorder our priorities and change what we care about most. There's actually a bit of freedom in that. Instead of always having to decide for ourselves, man, what do I feel about this? What do I think about this? We can say, hey, God, I belong to you. How do you want me to handle this? And then we do what he says, whether that's through the Bible or through prayer. And God reorders our priorities. And that sounds like it's a lot, and it is. It's something that happens over a period of time. We'll talk about it next week. It doesn't have to happen all at once. But what happens in a moment is that the core of who we are shifts. When we follow Jesus, we go from invited to the family to adopted by the Father. We're a follower of Jesus first. And at that point, we also belong to Jesus. And so who am I? If you're a follower of Jesus, who are you? And I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus first. I belong to Jesus. There's a guy who lived this out pretty well. Um, his name's Kaká. Um, in the 2002 World Cup, the Brazilian soccer player Kaká was kind of put on the scene as one of the greatest soccer players. I mean, if you're not a soccer person, you may not remember this. If you're, you may not remember this. But in 2002, there was this, and I know what I'm saying, exciting soccer player to watch named Kaká. And he was leading the Brazilian national team. And people were like, wow, like this kid's really good. Who is this dude? And as people started to ask that question, the way he handled it is incredibly impressive. Instead of making it all about him, just like thumping his chest, or even like cursors, kind of throwing his fingers up to God once and moving on, he made it really clear who he was. He did this for Brazil, and he did this even in 2007 when he was considered the world's greatest soccer player. This is what he would do. He would take off his jersey, and underneath he would have a t-shirt that said this. And his shirt would say, I belong to Jesus. He made it really clear on the greatest stage he could that when people saw him, what he wanted them to see was not what he could do, not what he could accomplish, not how he felt, but who he belonged to. And who is Kaká? He's the first to tell you that he belongs to Jesus. And for us in our daily life, right, it probably doesn't involve being a professional soccer player. It doesn't involve winning an Oscar. But it does change how we see ourselves and how we see our priorities and how we see our relationships. We get to live with the freedom and the identity that comes from God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is how we get to answer that question. And who am I? We are children of God. We are followers of Jesus first. And we belong to Jesus. I'd like to pray for us. God, we can have a lot of words on a screen. We can say them. We can hear them. We can agree with them. And at the end of the day, what matters most is what you say. That you invite us to follow you. That you adopt us. That you bring us into your family. And that whether our feelings are there or not, whether our excitement is there or not, your truth doesn't change. And you say that we're yours.
that the core of who we are is that we belong to you. God, thank you for that. Would you help us to follow you? Right now, we're going to worship you. We're going to sing. God, as we're singing, help us to think most about you. And we're grateful and to show our gratitude that you change who we are. Help us to love you and to serve you. And we worship you. Amen.